Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Daniel. Ever since I was little, I've always loved helping people. Once, when I was in primary school, I saw an old lady lying on the sidewalk and shivering. I took off my coat and laid it over her. When I came home, my mom was shocked to see me without my coat because it was snowing outside. After I explained why, she hugged me and said, I'm proud of you. My dad had the complete opposite reaction. This can't be my son, he roared. You're letting people use you. If you keep acting so naive, people will walk all over you. Years passed. I didn't change. Touching people's lives in some way always made me feel good. My dad owns a big hotel. I didn't see him much, but that was kind of a relief most of the time. That was until my life was suddenly upended. I lost my mom, and now my dad had to take care of me. Like always, he'd give me a hard time whenever I'd reach out to help someone in need. One day, a friend from school asked me, The kitchen at the homeless shelter needs volunteers. You free to help? I was happy to help, so my friend and I went to the shelter after school. One of the staff pointed to a massive pile of potatoes. Let's get to it, I said with a smile. Hours passed, but we worked diligently, knowing that our work was for a good cause. I was so tired, but I had the best sleep ever. My friend couldn't make it the next day, so I went to the shelter by myself. This time, I chopped carrots for hours. At dinner, I took my place behind the counter, serving hot bowls of beef stew brimming with carrots. I made a lot of friends there that day. A guy in his mid-40s named Tyler gave me a big smile as he placed a bowl on his tray. Nothing feeds the soul like a hot meal, he said. Afterward, I volunteered to wash dishes, so it was super late when I got home. My dad was impatiently waiting for me. Why do you smell like beef? Where have you been? He asked. The stew gave me away, so I couldn't lie to him. When he found out that I volunteered at a shelter for the homeless, his annoyance turned into seething anger. Just like your mother, he growled. How can you be so naive? From now on, you're coming to the hotel every day straight from school. Am I understood? Y yes, sir, I stuttered in reply. 
My dad's hotel is one of the best luxury hotels in the city. The hotel has wealthy patrons, so the room prices are high. He put me to work as a bellhop, carrying the guests' luggage up to their rooms. My work ethic must have made an impression because the tips I was getting were jaw-dropping. Suddenly, I had an idea. If I couldn't give my time to the shelter, I could at least donate my tips. While my dad was away on a business trip, I visited the shelter one weekend. I entered the management office with an envelope full of the tips I'd been collecting at the hotel. The lady behind the desk handed me the sign-up sheet. She opened the envelope, practically leaping out of her chair when she saw the money inside. I joined the rest of the volunteers in the kitchen and noticed Tyler chopping onions. Homeless people often volunteer to keep the kitchen running and the facilities clean. When we were done, Tyler wiped his eyes and said, Come on, let me buy you a cup of coffee. <laughs> we took a bus to a local coffee shop downtown, sat down on a bench, and started talking. As it turns out, Tyler had a job and was working hard to get back on his feet. How did you end up homeless when you have a job, if you don't mind me asking, I said. I'd saved up for eight years working as the general manager at a fancy hotel. My older brother was an accountant, good with numbers. So we decided to quit our jobs and start a business together. We renovated an old building with the help of some contractor buddies and opened the best hotel in the city. Things were tough at first. Like most new businesses, we were operating at a loss and we needed cash flow. I took a loan out against my condo in the city, but that still wasn't enough. So I sold the place to pay back the loan and started living in one of the hotel rooms. Months passed, and my brother said we still had to reduce expenses and bring on some investors to stay afloat, so he gave me the paperwork. I was stressed. I figured he knew how to handle the money side, so I signed. Didn't even read any of it. Turns out I had signed away my share of the business to him. Next morning, everything I had left was on the curb. I'll never forget what he said to me. This is your problem. Get your things together and get out! Noah didn't even have the decency to put up for storage, or even a cab for that matter. Your brother's a hotel owner named Noah? I asked, bewildered. He was surprised as well. Yeah, you know him? He replied. He's my dad, I said. We both sat silently for a moment, until Tyler stood up and gave me a hug. Turns out, he was my uncle. I was so sad for him. I couldn't believe my dad did this to his own brother. After so many years, I found out I had an uncle. We chatted for hours. Meanwhile, a car stopped by the curb. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw who the driver was. It was one of YouTube's biggest creators, Mr. Beast. Hold this, he said, throwing us the bag he was holding. I caught it in the air. He smiled and said, I bought $10,000 of scratch-off tickets and put them in that bag. We did a video with scratch-off tickets today. Those are what's left from the shoot. I was dumbfounded. Don't worry, I'm not filming. Mr. Beast said. I saw you guys while I was waiting at the red light. I like that you were chatting and enjoying each other's company. These tickets are my gift to you. He hit the gas and drove off. Uncle Tyler and I stared at each other in disbelief. I opened the bag impatiently. There were so many scratch-off tickets inside. With a bit of luck, we could win thousands of dollars. Mr. Beast had done us a huge favor. We went to a quiet corner of the park and began scratching the lottery tickets. The first few dozen tickets gave us nothing, but suddenly Uncle Tyler jumped up. $500! I gave him a high five. Then we went back to scratching. I won two $10 prizes and then a $100 bonus. Uncle Tyler screamed again. $1,000! Guess your luck hasn't run out after all, I said, letting out a big laugh. I dipped my hand into the bag and fished out another scratch card. The card started with the number one, but each flick of my wrist seemed to reveal another zero. One zero, two zeros, three zeros, 
Four zeros. Is it $10,000? I asked myself. Five zeros? Six zeros? Seven zeros? It's ten million. Ten million, I gasped in excitement. Incredulous, Uncle Tyler looked at me. What? Ten million? He said, grabbing the ticket. He lifted up his head. There are eight zeros here. That's 100 million, Daniel. We won 100 million dollars, he said. That day, thanks to Mr. Beast, we won $100,012,300. We became multi-millionaires overnight. A few days later, Uncle Tyler closed the deal on a lovely new home, and I started thinking about what we could do for our friends at the shelter. When I shared a few ideas with Uncle Tyler, he loved it. The next day, my dad was in for a surprise. I showed up to work at the hotel. I hadn't spoken a word of what had happened to my dad. I barged into his office. He was in a meeting with the supervisors. Dad, you need to see this. Come with me to the reception desk, I said. How many times do I need to tell you you can't call me dad at the office? What is it? Why do you need me there? He grumbled. Come and see for yourself, I said, and left the room. There were around 50 homeless people in the lobby. When my dad saw them, he started screaming. What is going on here? Who let them in? Get them out! They'll drive away business! Get out now, all of you! The guy at the reception desk said, Sir, they all have reservations, and all the rooms were paid for in cash. There's nothing we can do. I'm getting the rooms ready. How can they have reservations? This is the most expensive hotel in the city. Who's paying for them? My dad asked angrily. The guy at the reception desk looked at his screen. The party's name is under Tyler. No last name, he replied with a shrug. Tyler. Who the heck is Tyler? My dad shouted. Uncle Tyler had been standing among the crowd. Come on, Noah, he said. It's me. Are you telling me you don't recognize your own brother? My dad was shocked. You? How is this possible? What are you doing here? I don't want you in my hotel. Security, kick this man to the curb, along with the rest of them. Dad was so angry, you could practically hear him grinding his teeth. Uncle Tyler laughed in his face and said, Every room is already booked and paid for over the next few weeks. Now, you can lose out on hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business during the off-season, or you can get used to seeing me and my friends a lot more around here. My dad was red with fury. Uncle Tyler kept going. By the way, I've also taken the liberty of buying the building from one of your investors. My partner and I are your new landlords, so you'll be seeing a lot more of me as well. Uncle Tyler was dropping bombs one after the other. I'd never seen my dad so desperate and confused. You bought this building? But he wasn't selling to me. How did you convince him? Who's your partner? He asked. Tyler laughed. (laughs) You never were much of a people person, Noah. Let's just say I know how to treat the patrons right. Uncle Tyler gestured in my direction. Oh, and uh, I think you know Daniel. He's my partner. My dad turned to me livid. What kind of games are you playing behind my back? How dare you do this to me? I'm going to disown you. You're not my son anymore, he roared. I couldn't forgive my dad for doing what he did to Uncle Tyler. It made me even angrier just hearing him speak. I suggest watching your volume around the landlords. After all, there are strict noise disturbance policies. We could easily have you kicked out, I said. At that moment, I saw the rage in my dad's eyes turn to jealousy. Typical Noah, Uncle Tyler said. From that day on, my dad's life got harder and harder. We were booking 50 rooms for the homeless every day. Regular hotel guests began to leave. We increased the number of our daily bookings to 100 rooms. Before long, my dad's hotel became known as the most luxurious homeless shelter in the world.
My name is Alan. I have a wife and two young daughters. I'm just an ordinary man who has a boring office job. But what I'm about to tell you is something incredible. For this story, I need you to open your mind as much as you can. I won't judge you if you don't believe me. To tell you the truth, if my family hadn't gone through what I have, I wouldn't believe myself either. It all started when we moved into this house where my parents had lived all their lives. My mother had recently passed away and the house was uninhabited. We decided that what she would have wanted was for us to live there, to fill the house with new and beautiful memories with her granddaughters. What we didn't know was that we were not going to be alone. At first, we only heard strange noises in the house. The children would tell me that they saw people walking around at night, that the doors would open and close by themselves, or that the doorbell would ring by itself. I can't deny the noises, but the kids had never lived in a big house, so the rest was probably a product of their imagination. After a while, even I could deny what was happening. Doors opened and closed on their own without the slightest drop of air running through the house. The faucets opened and some rooms were freezing in the middle of summer. All this would have been enough for me to leave except for one detail. I was sure that the presence that inhabited the house was my mother. At first, I was afraid, but eventually I began to hear someone humming a familiar song. It was the same one my mother used to sing to me when I was little. My family didn't seem very convinced of this, but I convinced them by making them see what was going on in the house had never hurt any of us in any way. Everything was fine for a while. We tried to get used to what was going on, but things started to get worse. Some dishes started flying dangerously against us. The kids felt constantly watched, and even I started to get a strange feeling that something bad was going to happen. Was my mom mad about something? Or was there something else in the house? We had only one way to find out. Ask her. The day we chose to do it was Halloween, since that was the night when all the spirits are most active and all the paranormal activity increases. We bought an Ouija board with my wife and no one looked at us worried. Apparently, everyone bought them for this date. When the night came, the girls went to a friend's house to spend the night and ask for candy. So the house was only for me, my wife, and my brother who proposed to help us with the process. Playing with the Ouija board on Halloween. How fitting, right? Make one more joke and I'll go trick-or-treating with the girls. <laughs> Mothers-in-law are really scary, aren't they? <laughs> Without further words, we started to play. We started asking her simple questions like if there was someone on the other side or if she lives with us in the house. But when we asked her if she was my mother, the board went to no and the mood changed immediately. Alan, it said no. Is my mother with you? Well, can we talk to her? Alan, I don't like this. We should get going. What do you want from us? B. L. O. O. D. Before I could say anything, the board shook much harder and suddenly it launched itself at me. To hell with saying goodbye! Let's go! My brother screamed in terror as we all started to run. The house began to shake and all the paintings fell down. We reached the exit door and everyone ran to the car, but I stopped. Behind me, I heard my mother 
humming the lullaby. Alan, what the hell are you doing? Let's go! No, I have to check to see if I see my mom. Wait for me! I promise I'll be right back! Just let it be! That is not mom! Without hearing them yelling at me to come back, I went back into the house. Maybe it sounds crazy. Hell, it was probably crazy. But I wanted to hold on to the slim chance of seeing her again one last time. I went into the room where we played Ouija, and the light in the next room, the kitchen, began to flicker. I stood in the dining room looking at her, and there she was. My mom, upon seeing me, stopped humming the song. I was about to hug her, but I felt something strange that prevented me from going. But at the same time, my body was totally paralyzed, and I could only stand there looking at her. She never was, just something that played with me from the beginning. I got in the car crying, and as Cheryl was scolding me, I looked at the window of the house, and standing in it was my mother standing there, greeting me with a huge smile. Her eyes and mouth were cooked as she finished waving at me. Her face was shaking, like the monster I had seen in the kitchen. Several months passed since everything happened. After my brother put us up in his house, we were able to raise the money to move out on our own again. We did not suffer any paranormal event again, nor did we try to sell that house. We do not wish that nightmare on anyone else. From now on, no more ghosts. I will only spend time with my wife and daughters. It's what my mother would have wanted. You mean blood? What do you want? Hello, man. Oh my gosh, Toby! <laughs> Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the video. If so, please leave a like. And also, a small percentage of people that watch my videos are actually subscribed. If you want to support this channel and make this channel reach the 1 million mark, please consider subscribing. It's free and you can change your mind later. Enjoy. This incident happened one Halloween night. Since then, I have stopped celebrating Halloween in my house. My wife and I couldn't have children of our own, hence, we generally had a soft corner for kids. My wife, Samara, would buy lots and lots of candies before every Halloween to give to the neighborhood kids. So this one Halloween, we went to the supermarket to pick up groceries and candies. While returning home, we saw cop cars in front of our neighbor's house. Feeling curious, I stopped the car. Oh, I think something bad has happened here. So many cops here. Look, the paramedics are coming too. My wife pointed out the ambulance coming our way and I realized the gravity of the situation. A group of people were decorating the streets for Halloween, but now they were all gathered around the house watching the scene with us. Two cops came out of the house, and we heard a woman's shrill cry. Oh God, my son, my poor Liam. Oh God, I want him back. I want him back, please. We saw our neighbor, Mr. Dempsey, trying his best to hold his paranoid wife. Miss Dempsey was out of control. She was screaming and crying like hell. The paramedics went in. 
The paramedics went in and took out a smaller boy that was wrapped in black polythene. It wasn't hard to tell from the size of the boy that it belonged to a child. The cops took away the body and Mr. and Miss Dempsey went to the paramedics. My wife and I were still standing there with no clue whatsoever. When we saw two men coming our way, I asked one of them, Excuse me, what happened here? Oh, don't ask, man. Poor Dempsey's. They lost their child before Halloween. What? Why? What happened? Uh, their seven-year-old son was playing in the basement when he accidentally locked himself inside an old cupboard. Mr. and Mrs. Dempsey were upstairs in the kitchen when they called out to their son for dinner and he didn't show up. They felt weird and went down to check on him. They searched the entire basement but couldn't find him. That's horrifying. How did they find him then? Well, Mrs. Dempsey saw a piece of blue cloth peeking out from the cupboard door. She opened it and then found the poor, lifeless kid inside the cupboard. Samara got emotional and I too felt extremely bad for the Dempseys. No pain in this world could surpass the pain of losing your child. We came home and Samara didn't talk the entire afternoon. She just sat on our porch and watched the neighbors dressing up for Halloween. Once the sun went down, kids started to come out of their houses wearing all kinds of spooky costumes. They went door to door asking for candies. No matter how disheartened we were, we still got up, brought our candy bowls, and gave them to all the kids who came trick-or-treating. You know, Jonah, I just realized something today. Samara said while closing the door after distributing the last bit of candies to a group of kids. What's that, hon? It's good that we don't have kids. At least I don't have to be afraid of losing them. I just can't imagine what pain Mrs. Dempsey is going through right now. I could see her teary eyes. I hugged her and kissed her on the forehead. Come on, let's go to bed. You need to sleep. That poor kid. We went upstairs. I stood in front of the bedroom window for a while. The entire neighborhood had gone quiet by the time. All the kids were back home. Every house was glittering with lights and candles placed inside pumpkin heads except the Dempsey's. Their house was in complete darkness. Heaving a sigh of sorrow, I went to bed too. I don't remember when I fell asleep, but suddenly a noise woke me up. Rubbing my eyes, I got up on the bed and heard that noise again. Someone was knocking on the door. I looked at the clock. It was 2.30 in the morning. Samara was deeply asleep. I came downstairs and opened the door. To my surprise, a kid was standing on my porch. A boy wearing a blue t-shirt and white shorts. He kept his head down so I couldn't see his face. Hey kiddo, why are you out so late? Do your parents know you're here? No. The kid's voice sounded so weird to my ears. Also, the fact that he was dressed so casually startled me a bit. After all, it was Halloween, and this kid was not in a costume. I asked again. Are you alright? As the kid lifted his head, I almost got a heart attack. His face was pale like a blank sheet, and his eyes were completely black, darker than the darkness. Whoa, you look pretty spooky. This was a good idea for a Halloween costume, though. I'm hungry. Can I have some candies? He opened his palm, saying this. You're a little late, buddy, but uh, let me see what I can do. Wait here, okay? The kid tilted his head to the right and just stood that way like a statue. I thought to myself that this kid not only nailed his Halloween look, but also acted scarily. I went to check the fridge and found a half-eaten chocolate bar. 
I grabbed it and came back to the door to give it to the kid, but he was gone. Thinking the kid had gotten inside, I quickly turned around and said, Hey, I have some chocolate for you. Take it and go home. Your parents must be worried. But the kid was nowhere to be seen. I was contemplating what just happened when I heard chuckling and running footsteps in our basement. I opened the basement door and yelled. Come out of there, kiddo. It's too late to play here. Come on, let me take you home. I can't see. It's so dark in here. Just like last time. I turned on the basement light, but shockingly, it didn't turn on. I remember very well that the light was working just fine in the afternoon. Thinking the kid might get scared down there, I grabbed a small flashlight and started walking down the basement stairs. Two white bed sheets were hanging on the wire at the end of the basement. As I flashed my light at the gap between those sheets, I saw the kid standing there and staring at me with a creepy big smile. Okay, time to go home now. Saying this, I walked to the bed sheets, and as I moved them to catch the kid, the hair at the back of my neck stood up. I found myself standing alone in the basement. It was as if the kid just vanished in thin air. There was no one. I repeat, no one behind those sheets. A chilling wind turned the atmosphere around me cold. That's when I heard the chuckle once again. Turning around, I now saw the kid standing right behind me. Blue veins had appeared on his pale face, and the black thick liquid was dripping down from his eyes. He snatched the chocolate bar from my hand, and I felt his touch. His hands were colder than ice. What? Who are you? I am Liam Dempsey. Can you take me home now? I think I'm lost. Can you help me? <laughs> oh my god! That's it. I don't remember after that. I fainted, and Samara found me in the basement when she came looking for me in the morning. She was surprised and kept asking me why I was sleeping on the basement floor the entire night. But I couldn't tell her what I saw. I often heard about these black-eyed kids, but it was my first time with a real one. I don't know why poor Liam turned into a black-eyed kid, but I think the fact that he died in darkness somehow made him look that way. What do you think? <laughs> Do you really know how much a traumatic situation can break a child? Sometimes it's hard to admit, but my own father is a disgusting monster. When I was young, although he was never particularly fond of me, he didn't treat me bad either. On the other hand, with my sister, that man was different. Ever since Jane was born, six years after me, our father was always very close to her, pampering and overprotecting her all the time. Our mother thought she was just daddy's spoiled daughter. But two years ago, we found out what he was really doing to her at the time. Something that shouldn't be done to a child. Soon, mom denounced him, and so he left our lives. But my sister had already been very affected. As a 10-year-old girl, Jane suffered from fits of rage and was very emotionally dependent on her family. More on me than our mother. She didn't like to play with other children or leave the house. In fact, 
When she saw another man, she would start screaming. For two years, Jane had been receiving therapy. She had even changed her psychologist several times. But her case was progressing slowly. Still, our mom didn't want my sister to be given any kind of medication. Adam! I'm here, in the kitchen. Uh, what's going on? Why didn't you wake me up? You're having breakfast without me? Oh, chill out. Even though I asked her to, her angry expression didn't change. You were sleeping so peacefully, I, I didn't want to... Anyway, I, I prepared your food, okay? Do you like leaving me alone? You know I don't. I, I just did it to let you rest, I think. Right. I needed to rest, because today is Halloween. But you don't even like to go out. I'll wait all night for you to bring me my candy. <laughs> uh... It was common for me to do that on Halloween. And in fact, I like to bring her candy to make her happy. But that year, I had different plans. I'm sorry, little one, but tonight I won't be able to make it. But what about my candy? I'll buy you some tomorrow. It's not the same. What are you going to do then, huh? The truth was that, weeks ago, my best friend Billy had invited me and Emma, another friend, to a Halloween party. Are you going out with Emma? I'm going out with my friends. It'll just be this time, okay? In the evening that same day, I was ready. I had disguised myself as a skeleton. In fact, I was truly satisfied with my appearance. A short time later, I received a message from Emma. I'm outside your house, it said, since we had planned to go to Billy's Halloween party together. As I opened the front door of my house. <laughs> Looks good on you. I was going to say exactly the same. <laughs> Luckily, the abandoned house where Billy had planned to have the party wasn't too far away, but we had to cross a path through the woods. After a while, we arrived at an old building. It's pretty obvious it's here, isn't it? I mean, I can't remember the last time I heard so much noise. Oh, shut up. Let's have some fun. My friend took me by the hand, and together, we ran towards the place. Arriving at the front door, she rang the bell. Soon, Billy opened it. Man, you came! Hey! Let's get to the point, Billy. Where are the drinks? Follow me! Oh. Can you check that, Adam? I'll be right back. I didn't mind helping him, so I turned and walked to the door. Huh? But there's no one... Shit! As a reflex action, I had moved away. But I went back to the door as soon as the bell rang again. What the hell? A, a fucking mask? The stranger stood still for a few seconds. Until suddenly, they launched towards the doorbell camera. Stop it already! <laughs> What's up, Adam? I thought you were going to open the door. It was a kid making a joke. If you say so, come on! Don't you want to dance with Emma? I put aside what had happened and walked over to my friend, who was already dancing in the crowd. Adam! I joined her, which really relaxed me, as moving my body to the music with was quite fun. Until I saw that person again. The broken doll was now inside the house, separated from the other people. What's wrong? I think there is a child at the party. A child? <laughs> in the blink of an eye, my friend's expression changed to one of fear. Uh, Emma? When she fell to the ground, I could see that she had a knife stuck in her torso. Uh, Emma! Uh, Billy, come here! My friend came after a few seconds when the people around were realizing what was happening. Shh! What happened? I... I don't know! 
What the fuck are you waiting for? Call an ambulance! I took my cell phone out of one of my pants pockets, but I couldn't concentrate. I, I can't do anything with such loud music! Well then go upstairs, genius! It didn't take me long to walk among the people until I reached the stairs of the house and went up to the second floor. I typed the emergency number and was about to call. What? The broken doll was there, coming up the stairs in an oddly wobbly way. Did you like what I did to Emma? What the? My heart started beating fast when I saw the person had a knife in their hand, so I decided to run along a hall, enter a room, and lock the door. Adam, I need you. I could barely see in there. What the heck? What the heck? You are there, aren't you? Get out! I need you! Is, it, is this a fucking joke? I'm calling the police! The police? What for? Forget that! I need you! Let's go for my candy together! My skin got goosebumps the moment I realized. Jane? I'm not afraid to go out anymore. I can take care of anyone who wants to hurt me. <laughs> you saw it yourself. My sister was too young to go to jail, and broken enough to be sent to a mental hospital. So that's where she is now. After the attack, I did my best to apologize to Emma. But that didn't make it any better, as it had been too traumatic for everyone involved. Sometimes it's hard to admit, but I don't miss Jane. It was an ordinary day when I met Priya. The kind of day you wouldn't expect something extraordinary to happen. My name's Zane and I was rushing to work when I saw an old lady crossing the street. She was having a hard time. Cars were zooming past, ignoring the fact that the old lady was trying to cross. There was no crosswalk, but the sign says that cars should give way to pedestrians. Only, nobody was. So, even though I was already running late, I stopped to help her. I took her hand and I bravely stepped out onto the street, making every car stop as we crossed the street. And when we finally made it to the other side, I felt her grip my hand tightly. Thank you, kind sir. I looked down, and I finally got a look at her face. And what I saw surprised me. She was no old lady at all. She was dressed like one, as if in a disguise. But under all those clothes, she was a beautiful young lady. Probably the most gorgeous girl I had ever seen. I didn't even notice that her hands were so delicate and soft, without a single wrinkle on them at all. She smiled up at me and I felt myself blush. I'd never had a girl look at me like that before. Please. I need your help. I found myself saying something I never thought I would. Not on a day when my manager was supposed to do my evaluation. How can I help? I need you to hide me. People are after me. Take me to your house. Please, hide me! I saw the panic in her eyes, heard the helplessness in her voice, and I knew then and there I had no choice. I had to. I held her hand the whole time, and I traced my steps back to where my day started. I showed her into my small apartment, and that was where she told me everything. I gave her some food and drinks, and she devoured all of it in minutes. She smiled at me cutely, her eyes wide and grateful. I'm sorry. I'm starving. I haven't eaten in days. Priya told me everything. 
She was a princess, and when her father passed, the crown was supposed to go to her. Unfortunately, some cunning evil cousins were after the crown too, and because of their greed, they were prepared to do anything to get the crown. She was driven out of her home by these cousins, and now they were after her. She was living in a safe house with her security detail and the most loyal of her subjects. But when she least expected it, the cousins sent agents to capture her. There was a huge fight and she was separated from the people who were protecting her. In desperation, Priya fled on some fisherman's boat, and that was how she ended up so far away from home. My mind reeled. First of all, it was shocking enough to find out that a princess was sitting on my tiny couch in my messy flat, and to find out that she was embroiled in such a bizarre, larger-than-life struggle was honestly mind-blowing. I knew I needed to help her. I knew I had to do something. Suddenly, my job, my life, and my annual evaluation seemed inconsequential compared to her problems. So in the next few days... I did all I could to get her back in touch with her people. I googled and I asked as many friends as I could if they could help, all while keeping it hush-hush, of course. I didn't want to attract any unwanted attention, in case her cousins found out where she was. I let Priya live with me. It was such an awkward situation. I couldn't afford to put her up at a hotel, and she didn't want to anyway, because being in public places scares her. So, she stayed at my tiny one-bedroom, and the strangest part of it is that I still had to work and live my life. She was often there alone. During those days, I noticed changes in my house. She would arrange things, clean them, and whenever I got home, there would be dinner waiting for me. She would serve me piping hot dishes that warmed my heart. I honestly didn't know how to feel or think. Here she was, a princess who probably had hundreds of maids, and she was serving me. She was looking after me, like she was some housewife who suddenly entered my dull, boring life. I can't say I didn't enjoy it. She was beautiful, and she was kind, and very interesting. It just all seemed so... surreal. After a few weeks of nothing and having a princess living with me, I finally got a lead. Somehow, I managed to get in contact with one of her old supporters. He told me the same story she did. He said they were all safe and that they had transferred to a different safe house, and that they had been trying to look for Priya for months now. I got home that night and shared the good news with her. She jumped up in pure joy and kissed me on the cheek. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Zane. You don't know how happy this makes me. You saved my life, and now you've done it again. I can't believe this. I don't know how I would be able to repay you. We must go to them at once. And so, we did. The guy I contacted was called Gregory, one of her uncles, and he sent me coordinates for where to meet. It had to be completely secret. So, he flew over in the middle of the night and under a disguise. We met at a corner of some park, and I told him that Priya was safe in my apartment. We walked together, taking random U-turns and making detours everywhere just to make sure we weren't being followed. And when we finally got to my place, Priya hugged the man. She had tears in her eyes. 
I'm so, so glad to see you again, Uncle Gregory. I thought you had all been captured. Gregory smiled and winked at me. Just then, a knock came at the door. My heart stopped. Who could that be at this time of night? And then, before either of us could react, Gregory strode to the door and opened it. Priya screamed. There, at my door, were two girls, and they had the most evil grins on their faces. Good to see you again, cousin. Oh, and who's this? You didn't tell us you found yourself a handsome, strapping lad. I guess now that you won't be queen, I can have him. Not before I take him for myself. We were ever so hurt when you skipped town. Oh, I'm so glad Uncle Greg found you for us. Priya turned to her uncle with tears in her eyes. You! It was you! Yes, of course. I was the one who told them about our safe house, too. You still hadn't figured that out? <laughs> my, my. You really don't deserve the throne. Did you really think I would just let go of the fact that your father humiliated me and my family when he stripped us of that title? Oh, for a tiny tax mishap! You stole three million dollars from the treasury, and I still let you back into the fold. Well, now it's your turn to be punished. Hmm, princess. I knew it was my only window. I had to act fast, or her life will be in danger once more. I had grown attached to Priya, so I did the only thing I can do. I kicked my chairs at them and I grabbed Priya and carried her. I ran as fast as I could. There were men outside the house. Scary men. Luckily, I was very light on my feet and used to dodging people as a waiter. So, I got out of there with no trouble at all. I went on a loop and ended up going through the back gate of my apartment. I hid with Priya in the shed where I kept my old stuff. I figured they would never find us if we hid in the house we just escaped from. And I was right. They were gone in minutes. I packed my bags and made sure I got some blankets. I broke my piggy bank and took every single dollar out. I called my boss as we ran in the cover of darkness for the harbor. What do you mean you can't make it tomorrow? You've missed three workdays this month, Zane! And you missed your own annual evaluation! If you don't show, you're fired! That's fine, boss. I'm saving a literal princess's life at the moment, so I think that Trump's working for you. When we finally reached the harbor, we stayed in one of the boats, wrapped in blankets, until finally, at around four in the morning, the fisherman came in. I offered all the money I had, just for them to take us to Priya's country. It was a long journey, but when I told them our story, they offered to do it for free. And so, I snuck Priya back to her land, and once there, we were able to find her people. From all the evidence they gathered, they took her cousins and uncle to court, and once again, they were all stripped of their titles. Priya was reinstated as princess, and was soon to be crowned queen. It was then that she asked me to stay. And because I had nothing going for me back home, I said yes. At first, a lot of the aristocrats and nobles hated me. They said I didn't deserve to be king, that I was a nobody. But when Priya told them everything I did for her, 
They changed their minds, and the people loved me. They called me a national hero for saving their beloved princess. They even made a movie about Priya's journey and how I rescued her. Priya and I got married, and just before her coronation, thousands of people greeted us in the streets. And Priya was so beautiful that day. She asked me what I wanted the most in the whole world. It's to say thank you for rescuing me. Anything in the world. I smiled. I already have what I want. Priya blushed. Although, if you wouldn't mind, there is one thing. Just one. It's done. Priya and I visited the restaurant I bought, and once we were there, I greeted my old boss. There were hundreds of people outside. Some of them were reporters curious about why a queen and her king were there. My boss's jaw dropped when he recognized me. I just smiled at him. I've never seen this place so full. Must be us coming to visit. Uh, oh, and by the way, boss? Uh, uh, you're fired. Hi, my name is Matt, and I'm 25 years old. I'm going to tell you some really weird stuff that I experienced over the past few months. So, it all started when I got a new job about six months ago. There was a reason that I resigned from my previous job. I used to date one of my coworkers named Natasha. It was all great fun until I found out her truth. She'd been lying to me the whole time. She wasn't even my coworker. In fact, she didn't even have a job. She had faked everything just to get close to me. I was really creeped out by how she was able to infiltrate the company and pretend to be an employee there. Honestly, it was partially our manager's fault. He was a lazy, absent-minded guy. It was only when the higher-ups paid us a visit that we got to know Natasha's truth. She really had all of us fooled. Why did you even do that? I asked her after everything was revealed. Well, I'd been observing you for quite some time, and I really wanted to talk to you, she replied as if it was no big deal. You see, I've always liked you, Matt. I still do. I took a step away from her. Observing me? Were you stalking me, Natasha? Wait, is Natasha even your real name? Yes, Natasha is my real name, she immediately said. I know it looks like I stalked you, but trust me, I just wanted to get close. There was a whole lot of drama after that, and Natasha was even arrested. But after talking it out with my colleagues and with the company's agreement, I decided to give her another chance. Not a chance as in dating her again. No, that was out of the question. I let her go with a warning. Don't ever try to follow me or talk to me again. I told her. I'm kind enough to not sue you. Just get out of sight and maybe find a job. A real one. Well, that was the last time I talked to her. She had begged and cried, and but I just I couldn't see myself with her. After that incident, I resigned from my job. That company was no good. Natasha had been there quite some time, and they didn't even know she was a fake. Plus, I was worried about my security. 
I decided it was better just to move and get a new job. And that's how I got this job, at a multinational company. My boss, Ruby, was a really good-looking, smart woman. She was nothing like my previous manager, and that gave me a lot of relief. She was strict with deadlines and performance, and could be gentle and kind when needed. What I'm trying to say is that she had all the qualities of a boss, and I really liked her. I mean, not romantically, of course. My job was treating me really well, and all my coworkers were warm and welcoming. One of my colleagues, Olivia, was really kind to me in particular. She'd made sure that I didn't face any problems in learning the new stuff and even helped me mingle with the others. It was because of Olivia that I often went to dinners with my colleagues after work. She would always invite me. And when I wasn't able to join her for some reason, she would wait for me. Yes, this is exactly what it looks like. I think it's safe to say that both of us liked each other but neither of us ever admitted it out loud. I wasn't ready for a relationship anyway. My memories of Natasha were still fresh in my mind, and I wanted to spend some more time with Olivia before getting into anything serious. One day Ruby called me to her cabin and told me that I was to join her for a business trip. Sure, I replied. Who else is coming? She frowned at me. No one but if you want, we can bring one more employee. Well, I wasn't about to let that opportunity pass. I suggested Olivia's name. Ruby gave me a weird look. Why her? She asked seriously. Um, because she was the one who mostly helped me with the reports and presentations, so she knows the best, I said nervously. Ruby nodded. Okay, fine then. And that is how two days later we were seated on a 17-hour flight together. I realized something was wrong the moment I arrived at the airport. We were taking a company's private airplane, so there was no one else in the flight besides Ruby, Olivia, the air hostess, and me. Awkward doesn't even begin to cover it. I was stuck in a seat between Ruby and Olivia. We had to sit like that because we had to discuss some things on the documents. But this was hella uncomfortable. Not to mention, I couldn't spot a single guy on the flight. And the air hostesses were super flirty. One of them came to ask us if we wanted anything. She brought everything that I had asked for, but when Olivia asked for something, she refused rudely. So, how about a sandwich? Olivia asked her. You just brought one for Matt. I'm sure you have more. Sorry. That was the last sandwich we had, the hostess replied. Ruby snorted. Looks like you'll have to starve, Olivia. My eyes widened. Why was Ruby being like this? I shook my head and offered my own sandwich to Olivia. She refused at first, but had to take it when I insisted. Ruby rolled her eyes and ordered her own food. The hostess didn't refuse this time. It was clear that she was afraid of the boss. Seriously, what the hell was happening? Was this even allowed? A few hours later, Olivia fell asleep on my shoulder. Ruby noticed and gave her a very displeased look. Um, do you have something against Olivia? I asked her. It seems like you're not too fond of her. Ruby averted her gaze and stared out the window. 
Let's just say I don't exactly get along with her. I didn't ask anything else. It seemed like they shared a history, and I didn't want to ruin the mood right now. Later, the air hostess, whose name I didn't bother to memorize, came back with a tea. She was passing the cup to Ruby when Olivia suddenly pushed her hand and the tea spilt all over Ruby. She shrieked and I gave her a panicked look. Oh God, you need to wash up with cold water or it'll burn, I said, and immediately got up to lead her to the washroom. Olivia grabbed my hand before I could leave, though. I turned to her in question. Where are you going? she asked. I think Ruby can clean up the mess herself, so why don't you sit down? Was she for real? Ruby glared at her and left for the washroom while I stared at Olivia in disbelief. Did you do that on purpose? I asked. What? She asked innocently. You spilled the tea on purpose, I said. I was watching everything. You raised your hand unnecessarily. Olivia shrugged. Maybe I did it on purpose. But so what? Didn't you see the way she was mocking me earlier? I was just giving her what she deserved. How old are you, Olivia? I exclaimed in disbelief. What you just did was really immature. I don't know what's going on between the two of you, but you could have ended up seriously hurting her. I had never expected this from Olivia. She'd always been so kind and angelic. Now I was seeing a completely different side of her. Why do you care? She muttered. What? Why do you care whether she gets hurt or not? She asked. It's called basic humanity, I replied. But seriously, it feels like I'm wasting my time talking to you. By then, Ruby returned. She had changed her dress. I asked her if she was okay, and she nodded. Then she turned to glare at Olivia. I will let this one go, Ruby said. But if you ever pull that kind of stunt again, I will fire you without a second thought. You better learn to differentiate between your personal and professional matters. While all of this was happening, the hostess who brought the tea was standing in a corner smirking to herself. I shot her a look and she immediately sobered up. I'm pretty sure she would have spilled the tea herself, even if Olivia hadn't pushed her. What a weirdo. I couldn't wait for this flight to end. We weren't even halfway, and I was already exhausted. I don't know when I dozed off, but when my eyes opened, I saw that Olivia and Ruby had moved to different seats. I finally had some breathing space. I was about to do some stretching when an air hostess walked up to me. Hi, Matt. Long time no see, she said. I looked up to see her face, and my body completely froze. What the hell was Natasha doing here? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.